The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined, as always, by Chris Flom. And today, we're going to be breaking down some of these day two, late day two, day three cornerback and safety options this secondary we know the giants need to add bodies to that secondary after losing julian love in terms of safety and just being one of those versatile chess pieces for wink martindale's defense and there's really not a lot of certainty beyond a dory jackson at the opposite cornerback spot i remain high on cordell flott but we're not certain that he is going to rise to the level to become that reliable consistent starter and even with a dory jackson this might be his last year here in new york And we know Wink Martindale loves to run quarter personnel, seven-plus defensive backs on the field. So the Giants are going to express interest in the cornerback position, in the safety position, throughout the entire draft. So, Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, I am doing well. Uh, I've been thinking about this show for a little while. Uh, Folks who listened to our last one thought they were going to be getting this in the second half, but we decided just... The need is high enough, and there's enough of these guys. This is a very deep secondary class that it really deserved its own show. So, ready to get to it. Let's do it. So, I want to start with a cornerback who I wouldn't be shocked if he went mid-day two. But since there are so many top cornerbacks in this draft, he might ultimately slide to somewhere in round three. Or, I don't know if he'd fall into the fourth round, but that's Caillou Blue Kelly out of Stanford. I actually liked this player's tape. He is a bigger cornerback, a longer cornerback, exceptionally, I would say, and I think his arm length was listed at 32 inches. I don't have the combine measurements to verify that, but I appreciated his athletic ability. And this was one of those players coming out of Bishop Gorman, a very highly touted high school. And I just thought that his game against Notre Dame and Arizona State specifically showed a player who could be a starter at the next level. What was what was your thoughts on Caillou Blue Kelly? Yeah, I, I liked him. He's, I think, flying a little bit below the radar just because Stanford hasn't been great lately. And West Coast team, at least for those of us out on the East Coast, you kind of have to stay up late to watch a lot of their games. And myself, personally, I don't stay up very late anymore. And this really is just an incredibly deep cornerback class. But Blue Kelly is, he's got good size. Like you said, 
six foot, 190 pounds. He does have 32 inch arms. So good size, good length for a cornerback. I like the fact that he is a man coverage corner. And I think that would appeal to Wink Martindale if the Giants are not able to get a cornerback in the first round, which uh, we've seen the the board fall a million different ways in mock drafts where sometimes a guy drops right into the Giants' lap and sometimes there is a nightmare scenario, which is what's coming on the SB Nation, the official SB Nation mock draft where the editors for all 32 teams cast their picks. Uh, Ed messaged us with it's some degree of distress over his options for the Giants pick at 25. And, you know, the, it could be that the Giants have to wait until day two to address one of these real heavy need positions. And a guy like Caillou Blue Kelly, he makes me feel comfortable for a day two pick at the cornerback position. He started all four years at Stanford, highly regard, regarded. His father, I believe, also played in the NFL. He had a 149 10-yard split quick to the catch point. Here's my quick little synopsis on him, if I can, bro. Go right ahead, man. Yeah, he has the traits to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. His length, size, movement skills will interest defensive back coaches all around the league, including Jerome Henderson. He can play in a man coverage scheme and does well operating within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage in man coverage. I would like to see him locate the football a bit better down the field. He didn't really do that, I felt like, at least in 2022. He can also play zone to do his ability to break on routes underneath him. He had some zone mishaps in 2022, but he also displayed positive processing ability throughout his tape. He made impactful plays in very key critical moments that really shows excellent mental toughness. In 2022, he had a fourth and two in the second quarter against Cal that he broke up third and nine second quarter against Cal that same game in 2021. He had a fourth and five where he had a play against Washington in that same game quarter four, uh, 318 left, also had a pass breakup. Those are just really high leverage situations where he was rising to the occasion. I don't think he's fully polished yet, but you can really buy into this player's upside. I know the 2023 NFL draft is rife with cornerback talent, but if the Giants do forego going corner in the first round, I think Caillou Blue Kelly on day two, he fits the scheme. And I feel like from everything I've heard about him, he's a very coachable type of individual and it would make sense for the Giants to be interested. Yeah, that is a great synopsis of him. I I don't really hear anything there that I would disagree with. And I do like the idea of Caillou Blue Kelly in the second round. He's, he's one of a group of players I kind of have circled for the Giants' second round pick, depending on what happens in the first round. Now, I, I think there's a couple other ways we could go here. And I've got two names I, de- I definitely want to talk about as potential either uh, day two or I don't know, maybe, yeah, no, probably day two picks. And I'll let you go, or I'll let you pick either Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland or Travis Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU. Nice. Okay. I'm going to go with Travis Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU. And we'll talk about Jacorian Bennett as well. But Travis Hodges Tomlinson, man, he reminded me of a feistier Darnay Holmes. Because they're both undersized players. Travis is a little bit smaller than Darnay Holmes. He's five foot seven, one hundred seventy eight, whereas Darnay Holmes was like five nine, maybe like one ninety. So Holmes is a much thicker player. But the way Travis plays the sport, it's it's something that I feel like I can buy into. There is a chip on this guy's shoulder. He has an edge to his game, and at that size, he was the outside cornerback for TCU's defense that went all the way to the national championship game and lost to Georgia. 
I know he had like 14 penalties this past year, but similar to Cam Smith, there were times where he was holding where I was just like, you don't need to do that. Like, You don't need to be holding in that situation. You're actually in pretty good position. I feel like a lot of that can kind of be ironed out by a good defensive back coaches. If he could just trust his technique a little bit more, and he has a lot more to overcome because he has 29-inch arms. I understand that, Chris, but this is a feisty, scrappy player who has great ball skills and knack for finding the football and playing through the catch point. So I really liked his tape. But I feel like he's not going to play outside, obviously, with that size. He's going to have to be forced to play inside the slot with a 147, 10-yard split, 39-inch vert, 11-foot broad. All of that kind of checks out on tape to be able to play in the slot. His three-comb was just over seven. It's solid. It's not great. 4-3 short shuttle. But from a movement skill standpoint, just from seeing him on tape, I do believe he is a player. I don't think round two. Chris, personally, I think it's going to be a little bit later than that because of his limitations physically. But I think he's a player that Giants could be interested in if they do want to replace Darnay Holmes in the slot just as a productive guy. And another note, he's also LaDainian Tomlinson's nephew. Which, that it, that's a good note to have. I mean, at the very least, maybe he's a good running back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But, Did you, yeah, what were your thoughts on Trey, though? I, I think his future is in the slot. And I don't mean that as a slight on him. Because we, we've seen the slot corner is basically a starting job in the modern NFL and slot receivers are getting more and more important to offensive play design in general. Like we are seeing teams motion their number one receiver into the slot just to get that guy a free release more consistently. And a lot of times a team's third best quarterback is their slot. So you, you get a, a whole bunch of different mismatches when you move a number one receiver into the slot. And it really makes sense to invest in that position. Also, we don't know what the first round holds for the Giants or what their cornerback depth chart is going to look like. They could be relying on Adore Jackson outside and either Cordell Flott or Aaron Robinson on the outside across from Adore. So having a guy like Trevious... Hodges Tomlinson in there really could give the Giants some freedom to play around with that second outside corner position, knowing the slot is locked down with a guy who is a really explosive, explosive athlete who can at least keep up with top receivers. What about Maryland's Jacorian Bennett? We hear a lot about Deontay Banks, rightfully so. And then Banks, to me, is a better player than Bennett, but Bennett's somebody who did show up at the combine, blew it up, had over a 40-inch vert, over 11-foot broad, 148, 10-yard split, ran a 4-3. Everything from an athletic standpoint, he possesses. Not the biggest guy. He's 5'11", 188 pounds, almost 32-inch arms, so the length does check out. And when you turn on his Purdue tape, because that was a tape that I saw while watching some Charlie Jones, he actually had some solid reps against Purdue, one against Charlie Jones on a slant route where Aiden O'Connell put the football in a really good spot, but Bennett actually got his long arms in there to knock the ball away, which wasn't something that Joey Porter did in that game too often to Charlie Jones specifically, even though Porter had like five PBUs in that game. But I felt like Bennett showed up against Purdue, which is a solid passing offense, and I appreciated him as possibly a developmental guy who who could earn starting snaps similar to Cordell fly. I don't think they're similar players, but just in terms of their pathway to starting, what were your thoughts on Bennett? Yeah, he is. He is an incredible athlete. 
you know, like you say, you blew up the combine. You know, four three forty, forty and a half inch vert, eleven one broad jump. So he definitely has the athletic traits to be a cornerback at the NFL level. Yeah, I I don't think he quite has the foot quickness, hip fluidity that Deontay Banks does, and I think that's the big difference between them. That and Banks is, I think, a, a better technician. Uh, he is in contention to be the Giants' pick in the first round, I think. But Jacorian Bennett is really really intriguing not the least not the least of which because i think he could just be classified as a db and not a strict corner he could have some julian love to his game where you you have him be a nickel defender and you bring him on the field kind of wherever he is needed he's really solid i thought in just various off coverage techniques off man bail technique zone that sort of thing. And the way Wink Martindale likes to use defensive backs to disguise his pressure packages, you could use a Jacorian Bennett after a little bit of development, after he earns his snaps, to just kind of be on the field as a defensive back and force the offense to guess what he's doing, where he's playing. Yeah, because he has that type of a vertical skill set. I'm not sure, Chris, because we didn't talk about this pre-pod, if you've watched Garrett Williams from Syracuse. Have you seen any of him? Uh, no, my, well, a l- very little bit. I, most of my Syracuse watching has been on on the offensive side with Sean Tucker and uh, Berger on the offensive tackle, who I really like. <laughs> yeah, Matthew, Matthew Bergeron is, a, I feel like, a, a player I would be interested in from what I've seen, if the Giants didn't select Evan Neal in the top of the draft last year, because he might be gone by pick 57. We'll have to wait and see. But Garrett Williams, this is a 5'11", 192-pound, 31-inch arm, 21-year-old cornerback who tore his left ACL, I think, in week seven of the 2022 season. So there are question marks that he'll be able to play or when he'll be back for the 2023 season. But this is a man coverage player with great feet, fluid hips, very good ball tracking skills. He had this rep in 2021 because I watched a decent amount of his 2021 tape against A.T. Perry, where he just carried him up the sideline, swiveled his hips because he was out of position initially, got underneath A.T. Perry, and then just high-pointed the ball and knocked it away from him. It was a beautiful rep. I also watched some of his Liberty tape just to go back and see some Malik Willis from 2021, and he had two PBUs against Malik Willis. One was on a nine route. Another one was on a slant. The one on the nine route was similar to the A.T. Perry play, but this is a player with 27 PBUs and four interceptions while at Syracuse. He had no penalties despite running some man coverage. No penalties at all in the last two seasons, which to me is very impressive. And if we're talking about a selection on day three for the New York Giants, who can be redshirted for a year, I'm all about bringing on a guy like Garrett Williams, who could have starting upside in the future. So that's a name I want Giant fans to be aware of. Garrett Williams, Syracuse. Yeah, and that is an interesting name because we've seen this year that Joe Shane is not shy about bringing in guys with significant injury histories. Yet pretty much all of the Giants' free agent acquisitions, except for, I think, Okereke and Nacho, those guys all have significant and pretty recent injury histories. In addition to yeah, the injury histories with uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, uh, just uh, the Giants... Ha- have a lot of guys who have 
injury problems, and the Giants seem to be fine with that. They have a lot of confidence in their strength and conditioning program, and I wouldn't be at all surprised for the Giants to look at players in the draft, and this is a change from previous years where maybe they've got an injury red flag and say, you know, that that's fine. We'll, either we'll get him healthy or we'll keep him healthy. And the ironic thing about that, though, is Joe Shane didn't really take any players who had significant injury history last year, yet almost every single one of them got injured last season. That was kind of something that I was like, wow, that's very unfortunate. Joe Shane addressed it during his, I believe it was the owner meeting, owners meetings. He, did, he addressed, like you said, the strength and conditioning program and how some of those soft tissue injuries that could be fluky and injuries in general can be fluky. Leonard Williams was never injured. He was injured last season. So I think if the value aligns with how they view the player, they will go and draft that player. I think Corey Trice out of Purdue, six foot three, 206 pound cornerback falls into that bucket too. He tore his ACL in 2021, came back in 2022 and played very well. And I think if the Giants are interested in Joey Porter Jr., which I would imagine that they are, I don't think he'll be there by pick 25 and they miss Porter Jr. Then I think you can stay in the big 10 and take a guy like Corey Trice a little bit later on in the draft. And he can offer you maybe like I don't know, 60% of, of Porter Jr. I don't think he's nearly as talented as Porter Jr. But if you're just looking for that big body, long arm type of player who can be physical at the line of scrimmage and be an asset and run support, Corey Trice out of per two can do that for you on day three. Yeah, they, there are quite a few of these big, tall, long corners coming out. We saw you know, last year with Sauce Gardner, Tariq Woolen who I'm still a little bummed the Giants didn't take a flyer on, but oh well, moving on. Yeah, this year we've got Joey Porter Jr., uh, Keely Ringo, who is much more of a linear athlete, I think, than a fluid corner. But uh, Julius Brents is kind of in a league of his own. But then if you're interested in that kind of guy, then yeah, Trice does make a lot of sense, maybe in the third round where the Giants have just picks galore. <laughs> Exactly. When they, yeah, on day three where they have seven oh, sorry. picks. Did I say third round? And, yeah, no, I, oh, well. no, I got you. The interesting thing about Trice, too, is despite the fact that he's that big, he had the 11-foot broad, I believe it was, and then yes. his short shuttle was 4.06, and his three-cone was 6.7. That's really fast for a guy that big, and I don't even think his best his best coverage would be man coverage to the next level, but that doesn't necessarily mean he can't play man coverage either. I think he's probably best fit in a cover three scheme, similar to Joey Porter Jr. I think that's probably his best fit, but that doesn't mean they can't play man coverage. I think they can at least play it at a functional level. Yeah, and th that I think is kind of what the Giants are looking for. Just somebody who can hold up well enough in man coverage to facilitate Wink Martindale's split schemes. Yes, you would love to have a Darrell Rivas who can just take a receiver out of the game but the where the giants are picking they're probably not going to be able to get that guy they're probably not going to be able to get devin witherspoon or christian gonzalez i sadly know <laughs> chris have you seen cameron mitchell out of northwestern i have not okay so i'm just going to give a quick synopsis on this player, five foot eleven, hundred ninety-one pounder. He ran a four-four-seven, one-five-three, ten-yard split, which to me really shows up on tape. Not necessarily as a great thing, just because my 
biggest issues with him is his lack of burst out of his break. I think that hinders his ability to maintain positive body presence on curls and comeback routes when he isn't in a press man coverage alignment. I think he has sufficient athletic capabilities. I think he can flip his hips well. I just don't think he's overly explosive, but he is a physical player up wide receiver stems. I've seen him ride wide receivers off the red line out of bounds. I've seen him jam aggressively at the line of scrimmage. I do like how promptly he plays through the catch point with authority. And I think he's another player that the Giants could look to add somewhere on day three. And he does have some upside despite his, I would say, adequate height, adequate size, and that lack of burst coming out of the breaks. It's just too many choppy little steps kind of to slow his momentum down. But you want to talk about someone who can press and who could stay in the hip pocket of a wide receiver and is fluid enough to do so. I think Cameron Mitchell is a solid guy who can execute those assignments out of Northwestern somewhere on day three. Yeah. And just speaking about day three, there's one other guy who kind of, who kind of jumps out at me and he's kind of a unique player on this list. And that's Riley Moss. Yeah. He is from Iowa and Iowa's got a history of putting pretty good defensive backs into the NFL. And he is, I'm not sure how well he fits the Giants just because I think he's more of a zone corner than a man corner, but he has good size, 6'1", 193. He's got adequate speed, I would say, 4'4", That That's fine for a corner, but explosive vert, 39 inches at 10'7", broad. Again, that's pretty darn good, and I think... I think he could be a guy who's a value pick, especially for a team that's also looking for special teams players on the third day. One other thing about Moss too, Iowa used him in a lot of Meg, which is man everywhere he goes on the backside of three by one sets. He he ran some Meg to the boundary. He did it also to the field side and two by two sets as well. So he did run man coverage. And this guy posted like an elite three cone. It was like a six six with a four one five short shuttle. That's pretty damn good. Like I think just because he's coming from Iowa, which is more of a zone based defense, doesn't mean he can't play man coverage. I think this is possibly, like you said, a, a day three type of option. Solid size. His length is leaves a little bit to be desired. He's already 22, or actually, no, he just turned 23 years old in March, I believe. But Riley Moss, I do think, is just another one of these options, just an aggressive guy in run support. I did see his soul get stolen from him <laughs> by Chase Brown at the Senior Bowl. I was going to say the Chase Brown hit. <laughs> The Chase Brown hit her around the world. Unfortunately for Mr. Riley Moss, a lot of people in the beginning of the process were like, Riley Moss is going to be a safety at the next level because he does have that aggressive temperament in run support. And then I saw him try to, no, nah, I just, it, I don't think he's going to be a safety, at least not early on, but you yeah. can, uh, I think he can try him out at cornerback and he can hold up on the outside. And uh, one more player I just want to briefly mention. I don't know if you've seen Rashawn Wright from Oregon State. Have you seen any of him yet? Uh, no, he is not a guy I've, I've had a chance to really concentrate on. That's fine. I, I wrote about him a little bit for Big Blue View. I watched his Washington tape and I just saw him have two plays that showed different skill sets. One, he and they were both PBUs, mind you. He jammed the wide receiver aggressively at the line of scrimmage and he stayed on top of this curl route and just reacted instantaneously basically timed it right as the quarterback released the football to just aggressively play through the catch point, challenge the catch point. Absolutely love that. And the second play that really impressed me was an out and up move that right just patiently waited 
for the wide receiver to get into his break and did not react to the out portion of the out and up. It kind of reminded me a little bit, and I'm not saying that he's this player whatsoever, please don't misquote me, but that specific play reminded me of how James Bradbury would play that from off coverage because James Bradbury always, in my opinion, was a better zone defender than a man defender. But I think Wright, because he didn't test at the combine because he couldn't go to the senior role because of a hip flexor. He also has a thumb issue with his hand. I think he's a player day three who has some upside in man coverage might not be a perfect prospect, but has that six foot, 293 pound frame, 32 and a half inch arms. And he's a physical guy who can run man coverage and you can get him a little bit later. So I just kind of wanted to throw his name out there as well. Chris, do you have any other cornerbacks that you want to go over before we transition to the safeties? I, I think all the, the other corners I want to talk about, we're saving for when we look at the potential top line picks for the Giants' positions of need. <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right. We will be right back, ladies and gentlemen, after a quick break from a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. All right, Chris, the first safety that we have on our list is Jartavis Quan Martin out of Illinois. And I didn't really want to even put him on this list because he's probably going to be a second round pick after the way he tested. So he's not really a sleeper. And I know you've watched Illinois' defense. I don't know if you specifically focused on Martin, but I wanted to get your opinion on Quan Martin because I think he is a really good fit for what Wink Martindale does. Would you agree with that? Or did you see enough of him to feel comfortable making that declaration? Yeah, I've I've watched quite a bit of the Illinois defense and their entire secondary. Withers Prune, Sidney Brown, Quan Martin, all of those guys, they can play. And I feel like Brown and Martin, they're both of those safeties. And I think we can talk about them together. They might not be getting as much conversation as I think they deserve. They deserve just because this safety class as a whole outside of Brian Branch isn't getting a whole lot of conversation in general. Quan Martin, I think if the Giants don't get Brian Branch in the first round, he could be a good alternative because I think he does have that same kind of just slot defender versatility that where you bring him on in the nickel or maybe even make him a starter and then move him down to the slot in the nickel and he can play a bunch of different roles for you. He plays everywhere. He handled so many different responsibilities in 2022 on the back end of that defense with elite athletic ability. And all of like my concerns with Quan Martin, I feel like are correctable because he is such a good athlete. Like he was terrible at maintaining body presence on like these deep horizontal routes. But I think a lot of it was him kind of being hyper-focused and getting tunnel vision on the fact that the quarterback might be throwing his way because he has that ball hawking Marcus Peters type mentality. And I think that can be corrected. And I look at him, I think, yes, you can put him in the slot. Yes, you can put him in the deep half. Yes, you can put him in the single high. Like there's just so many different assignments that I think he can handle adequately or above adequately above average. And with, with such a with such growth potential in a positionless type of defense, like Wink Martindale just makes sense to me to go after a player like this somewhere on day three. But did you have anything else you wanted to say about Sidney Brown? Cause I also value Martin more than Sidney Brown. And I don't know if that's a take that a lot of people also share. What's your opinion on that? I don't think Brown is quite as special an athlete as Martin is, but I just love the way that Brown is able to play the deep safety or come up to the box. Yeah. 
twin to Chase Brown. He's like his brother, and dude's just kind of built like an action figure. Yeah, he's a little. I, I say he's compact. Uh, five foot ten, two hundred and eleven pounds. He's not undersized. He's just a little bit shorter than average for a safety, but he's got track speed. He can close really well. He's got one hell of a closing burst. He's a very willing hitter. I think he can do anything you ask a modern safety to do, include cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. The thing that's frustrating about Brown, especially relative to Martin, is because when you look at these two guys, you would imagine that Brown is the better, more secure tackler, but it's just not that way at all. Like Martin had like a 6% missed tackle rate or something in in 2022, I think like a 4% in 2021, whereas Sidney Brown missed like 16% of his tackles, missed like 14% of his tackles in 2021. It was always double digit for Sidney Brown. So that left me a little bit, I would say, sour on Sidney Brown. Just I wanted him to be a more physical run defender in the sense of securing the tackle. He's very physical when he actually makes contact. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that before we transition to another Brown. That's Jair Brown out of Penn State. <laughs> yeah, I think part of that is just he's playing. Sometimes he's playing from so far away that by the time he gets to the play, his angle isn't quite as good as you would hope it to be because he, again, he doesn't quite have the same speed that Martin has. But also, I think that's something that can be coached, where you just work on his ability to break down and drive through, wrap up, you know, do all the things that a safety has to do to get the guy on the ground. So I I feel like both of these guys, Martin and Brown, have pretty high ceilings out there, and I, I don't think you could go wrong either way. So transitioning to Jair Brown out of Penn State, it's a 23-year-old. Supposedly, he is a high football character guy. The first game that I watched, Chris, was the Minnesota game. Did you check that out at all? No, I, I haven't had a chance to watch that one yet. All right. So I watched that game first with Brown, and he had an interception in it. So you're like, oh, man, that's awesome. But like, it was more a bad quarterback decision, and he was in the right place at the right time. But in terms of his tackling, man, he had a few missed tackles. He was hurdled on a play. There was this one play near the goal line where Mo Ibrahim just destroyed him like Riley Moss against Chase Brown. <laughs> it was in the fourth quarter near the goal line, and I was just like, oh, man, you got to secure that tackle. And I'm a big Mo Ibrahim guy, but just make that play, you know? So it was a bad look in run support. I also thought he got lost in coverage a couple times. He was baited, specifically in zone coverage. He was trying to like undercut one route and just completely ignored his assignment. So Minnesota was a frustrating wash watch for me. Northwestern, I also didn't think the coverage was all that great and there was some tackling issues. But then I turned on his Utah tape and I start to see, because this is somebody that the Giants have expressed interest in, I start to see why Wink Martindale would be interested in this player, especially if he does have that high football character. And it's his ability to blitz, man. This guy has a quick tr trigger coming downhill. This guy does an excellent job timing his blitzes, hiding behind defensive linemen on these twists to uncover, to to disguise himself from offensive linemen. So there were elements of his game that I appreciated, but I'll say this, man, after Brian Branch, I'm not in love with this safety class. <laughs> this is not a safety <laughs> class that I want the Giants to be spending day two picks on. Yeah, the, I gotta say, Jair Brown, like I, I'm with you. I can see 
why Wink Martindale is is interested. I'm not I I wouldn't want Jair Brown manning a deep center field. I think he's a smart safety. I think he's a pretty instinctive safety. And I think he's versatile enough where you could have him in a deep half, maybe a deep third or up near the box. And I do like that you can you can send him as a blitzer. And it always is kind of tough when you pick a bad game as your first exposure to a player. Uh, for me, his his first game was the Purdue game. And then I ran straight through that to the uh, Ohio State game. So... I don't, I don't hate him. I I think he's a good player. I think he'll be a good special teams player. Maybe a good, a good third safety would be my read on Jay or Brown. I think that's actually a pretty astute observation there. He's a good third safety. Somebody, if you need him to play your second safety role, he can do it, but maybe you don't want him to do that year one right off the bat. Like start him slow, have him work on special teams. What about JL Skinner? 22-year-old out of Boise State, because this this is a player who is awkwardly built, in my opinion. He didn't test <laughs> because he had a peck injury. But this is he's six foot three, 209 pounds, but he looks like he's like 180 out there. He has these very long limbs. He's high cut in the waist, looks very thin, although he has some range when he opens up his stride. I feel like he there were times where he was playing contain and run support and against screens. And it's admirable when you're playing contain, you set to the outside, but he set like five yards to the outside, like way (laughs) too far to the outside. And I was like, is that a change of direction issue? The fact that he didn't test, uh, forces me to think like, is there, is there something wrong with him in that sense? But he did have some plays against Fresno state because they played Fresno state twice, Boise state in the conference championship where he really read this out route jumped it and dropped the pick six, but I loved how he was able to diagnose that. He also kind of sunk in a middle hook. He was getting high load and he understood that there was a horizontal cross coming behind him. So we read the quarterback's eye sank and then got his hands on the football to knock it away. So that was two BBUs in a conference championship game that showed some, I would say above average awareness in zone coverage. So it made me think like, Hey, I don't think he's a liability in run support either. I don't want to make it like he is. He had seven interceptions and 20 PBUs in his career in terms of his ball skills. So for a day three type of pick, he has this unique build. Maybe he can match up against these bigger tight ends and, and, and play man coverage on them, even though he's not the most physical guy in terms of rerouting, uh, receivers up to their stem, but you're talking on day three. I think I could be interested. Yeah, he is a very interestingly built. Like I, I he, it's difficult to describe how he appears on the field. And I would encourage people just to to go look him up. Like you said, he is he he just looks kind of gangly. <laughs> out there with these <laughs> long legs, long arms, and he's just kind of all arms and legs. But that does give him kind of a big tackle radius. I'm with you. I kind of like him out there on the field, maybe as a big nickel to deal with these athletic tight ends. And I do wonder if maybe his uh, pec injury wasn't a little bit, maybe took some use that strategically to avoid uh, putting numbers down in for official testing. Cause I think he would have more build up speed. And while that's perfectly functional 
on the football field, it doesn't look great in the 40 yard dash when, you know, your first 10, 20 yards are pedestrian at best. But then once you get your stride opened up, then you can really start picking up speed. Yeah, that usually results in guys who play faster than they timed. And that's kind of in air quotes. So, yeah, J.L. Skinner for a guy like Wink Martindale with that positionless defense with his love of sub packages is a very interesting name to keep just to keep in the back of your mind. And that's exactly why it's the love of sub packages. It's the different body types. It's doing different things with your defense, depending on your opponent. And I think a player like Skinner can offer that just because he is so strangely built. And I also don't understand. There's just so many guys in this draft class with small ass hands. Like he has like eight and one fourth inch hands. And there's like defensive linemen and offensive linemen that I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's okay. And I look at his hand size and hand size, you know, I'm not going to read too far into it, Chris, but I'm like, <laughs> how the hell are you like 320 pounds with eight inch hands? Like, <laughs> I have bigger than eight inch hands. Like how the hell is that even possible? Like, I don't even understand yeah. it. And then, but then you also have the other side of the equation where you've got like Darnell Washington with 11 and a half inch hands. Like the fact that he and yeah. Miles Murphy are in the same class and both big athletic freaks, but just comp- one dude has catcher's mitts. The other has just normal human size hands. It's, it, it's very weird. This is a very weird draft class. A lot of outliers, man. A lot of outliers. One player that actually I didn't have on the list, but I have a funny, I guess, uh, just tape story about is Christopher Smith. So I just watched Christopher Smith just throughout the season. He's Georgia's safety. He's not the biggest guy, but he's a very instinctive type of player. Makes a lot of plays on the football. Went to the combine, ran like a four, six, two, just totally crapped his pants at the combine. So he fell out of like day two favor, but I turned on Georgia versus Kent state, just kind of watching Georgia defenders. And I watched Chris Smith get freaking steamrolled by this Kent state running back named Marquez Cooper, who is, should be coming out next year. And I think he's transferring away from Kent state and it totally soured me on Chris Smith. Cause I'm thinking this like physical Georgia type of safety secondary asset, Chris. And then I watched this dude from Kent state, like run through his face and <laughs> run through his skull. And it just kind of soured me on the player. I don't know if you've seen any of him, but we can dive into Daniel Scott. If you have not, you know, I, I haven't really focused on him. Just there are so many players on that Georgia defense. It's tough to watch anyone unless you are specifically watching them. Exactly. So let's go to Daniel Scott. Daniel Scott, this guy was Van Wilder. He was in school for like six freaking years. I feel <laughs> like he's a physical enough, to, yeah, right? He's a physical enough guy. Uh, wild tackle attempts, guesses a lot. He just needs better eye discipline overall and anticipation. He's more of a guessing type of player. He definitely has traits and he really tested very well at the combine. That's kind of why I ended up going to his tape. He's 24 years old. Like I said, he's a little bit older of a product. But this is like one of those um, special teams type of athletes. Who was the player, Chris, that uh, the Washington football team, they had a different name at that time. <laughs> they selected him in the third round out of Penn State. And everyone was like, wait, really? What was oh. that guy's name? Uh, Troy Atke. Troy Atke, yes. I think his name was, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, like kind of reminded me of him in a sense. I think Ab- I think they were around the same size. I think Abke might have been a little bit bigger, but that's kind of the vibes I got from a Daniel Scott, somebody who was going to be like a special teams guy who was a good athlete, but might not be the best football player right now. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed Daniel Scott's tape. I don't have him as a starter. I think he is another safety who could be a just 
good third safety, a good big nickel to have on the field. I thought he had, yeah, he, like you said, he is a really good athlete. I, he's got speed. He's got some explosiveness. I thought he had really fluid hips for a safety. Like he can, he can turn and run, which is something you don't see too often from safeties. So I think you could line him up and have him play a deep half or play closer to the line of scrimmage and match up on tight ends. You probably wouldn't want him on a slot receiver, but maybe a big slot. And just have a guy who is athletic, willing to hit, and be a good special teams player for you as well. I, I like your note about his eye discipline. I thought he was an aggressive safety, which is normally a good thing, but he got a little over aggressive at times and just ran himself right out of plays. <laughs> he did that. But dude, you want to talk about a guy who just like zero to 100 as a blitzer. It's one yes. of the reasons why, again, Martindale could be interested. Like this guy is very quick to fly out of his stance, which I respect. And there's one more player I kind of want to touch on before we get out of here. And that is Chamari Connor. The only reason I want to bring him up is because I keep seeing him pop up for the New York Giants all over in mock drafts. Four, five, one athlete, 22 years old, six foot, 209 pounds at his pro day, 31 a little 31 and some change inch arms. Look, I watched some of his tape. He was productive. He had 23 PBUs. I felt like he was a physical player, good burst through the catch point, all that. A little bit of a wild tackler, did not really play with all that much control. Felt like he was spatially aware in zone coverage. But ultimately, I think if this guy is drafted by the Giants, he will be a special teams player, like probably even a more reserved role than what a Dane Belton was in year one for the Giants. I just keep seeing his name popped up. So I watched like, two games of his and, and those were just some notes. I don't know if you have anything on Connor. Yeah, I I think Connor would be a special teams player for the Giants, which is fine. They, they need special teams players. Uh, Joe Shane, Brian Dayball, they don't seem to like to keep guys around as purely special teams players, but Connor does have 800 plus snaps on special teams. So mm-hmm. that... I that would be an asset for the Giants and you could do worse than getting a good special teams player on the third day. And, you know, maybe he could grow into something with some development, maybe rein in that aggressiveness and, you know, special teams is a good spot for somebody like that because you have a, a defined lane that you have to, that you have to stay in. Otherwise the integrity of the entire unit breaks down and if the Giants could rein that in, you know, maybe there is something there because he's got decent speed, 4-5-1. He's an explosive player, you know, 40 and a half inch vert, 10 and a half inch broad jump. So you, he's got some power and explosiveness in his lower body. And I think Boink Martindale could work with that. Use him as a blitzer. Use him maybe in some zone coverages, maybe not strictly man coverage, but again, just if you get him as a as a special teams player, maybe you could work him onto the field after some development. Chris, do you have anything else you want to discuss about these corners and safeties? You know, I I think we've hit most of the sleepers. Um, I'm sure Joe Shane. Brian Dable, they've got their eye on somebody we haven't even thought of yet. So it, it will be very oh, interesting yeah. to see how the third day goes for the Giants because it's coming up quick. 
It's coming up quick and we can't wait. But thank you everyone for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. If you have not done so already, please like and subscribe, comment on the podcast wherever you get our podcast that does wonders for us. And also head on over to bigblueview.com and check out all of our written content. Thank you and have a lovely day.